0: One of the things that I find interesting is how something can be profound and amazing. I mean, it's just profound and amazing, and yet it can lose its sense of being profound and amazing just by becoming common, right? I mean, the more common something becomes, the more we kind of lose a sense of how profound and amazing it is, even if it is profound and amazing. I, I think... Probably the, the best example that I can think of off the top of my head would be a cell phone, right? I can remember going back when all you could talk, all you could do with a cell phone was talk. And then came the news that one day the things were changing and you were going to be able to send text messages on the phone. And we're like, wow, it was enough that we are now able to have a phone without, you know, wires and stuff. And now we're going to be able to send text messages. It was so cool. Now then, it didn't have a little keyboard, right? You flipped open the phone, remember that? You flipped open the phone, and there was the keypad of numbers, and you'd start doing out your message. Four twice, three twice, five, three times. Wait wait until it kind of advances five, three times again, six, three times, hello, good, let me send that to them, All right? And now today, we've gone in a very short period of time, now you can sit there and you can use your phone and pull up movies, television, your favorite YouTube channel or page and watch it anywhere, at home, at work, riding in the car, last week I was on an airplane and coming back I watched a movie on my phone at 20,000 feet amazing you think about it, that little device device that you have it's profound it is amazing but you don't get it and you pull, you don't pick it up and log in your Netflix and go wow this is so profound you don't do that why has it changed? Is it not any less profound or amazing? No, it's because it's common. Everybody's doing that. You've logged in a thousand times. And when something becomes common, even if it is profound and amazing, we lose a sense of how profound and amazing it is. And it is certainly true when it comes to, the, to one of the names of God, not just any one of the names of God, but the very first Name of God. The very first name that Jesus would get. Think how important that name is. Think of all the possibilities of what it could be when God was going to introduce his first name. And I've been talking about this because it's kind of captured me. It was given to us even long before his birth. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this. Therefore... The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. That's very important because that's his first name. It's as if God leaned over and says, hey, here's the first thing I need you to understand of who he is. Before you understand that he's a great teacher, before you understand he's a great healer, before you understand he's the king of an incredible kingdom, and before you understand all these things you will come to know him as, here's the first thing you've got to know about him. And that he's present. That he is checked in, dialed into your life. That's the first thing God told us about him. I, I tend to think the reason for that is that is also the first thing that we tend to forget about him. You know? We don't forget that he's king and he's master and he's all these things that we read about. But so often in life we begin to doubt that he's present. Is he here? Has he forgotten about me? Maybe that's why, because that's the first thing we tend to doubt about him. Maybe that's the reason why it's the first thing that the Father wanted us to know about him. He is with you. You know, that's especially difficult to grasp onto, and it's very easy to doubt when storms come into your life. It's the thing about living in this world. It's just, there are always storms that come. You know, that? there's an old saying that you're either one of three places when it comes to a storm. You're either in a storm, and maybe that's where some of you are this, this Christmas. You're in the middle of a storm. Something's happened this year. Maybe you lost something or someone, or maybe things just aren't going right, right relationally. or just, Maybe there's other things that are happening, and it's just a storm. And, and, and you generally either find yourself in a storm or you're coming out of a storm. Maybe some of you are at that place on this Christmas Eve, and you're just beginning to breathe again. You still have the scars and the wounds from that storm. Or they say, you're coming up on one. Maybe you're in that mountaintop right now. I mean, God, things are going well. And that is great. That is such an awesome place to be. But you don't get to camp out there. This broken world has a tendency to to bring a storm down the path. And when you're in that place, maybe that's where you are. When it hurts. That's when you ask that question. I know I have. God, where are you? God, where are you? Are you here? In other words, what I'm asking is, God, are you present? Are you dialed in? And the... It's wrapped up in his name, the answer to that question, Emmanuel, the name that we talk about so often at Christmas, that is so common at Christmas. Maybe we've lost how profound it is that the first thing he introduced us to about the Christ is that he is with you in every moment of life, especially in the middle of the storms. When I think of Emmanuel, Emmanuel, what it means for me, it means this. It means that the presence of the storm is not evidence of the absence of God. Oh, I need to hear that. And I, sometimes I just have to repeat myself that, that to myself. The, the presence of the storm is not evidence of the absence of God because he's Emmanuel. The presence of a storm does not indicate or give evidence to the absence of God because he is Emmanuel. He's the God that is with him. That's not something he does. That's his name. That's who he is. And there's a couple of set of verses in scripture that talk about storms. Physical storms that can relate to just the various storms we go through. One is Mark chapter 4 verse 35 says this. On that day they had just been teaching. Jesus and his disciples had been teaching so many people. and It was that evening. It says on that day when evening came. He said to them. Let us go over to the other side. Jesus said, hey, let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let's go over there. Let's find some rest. Leaving the crowd, they took him, that's Jesus, along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. They're making a real emphasis for you to know that Jesus was with them in the boat. Jesus was there. Jesus was present. It goes on. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care? Jesus, don't you care what's happening? Ever ever said that? Ever go in the middle of a storm and you just say, Jesus, don't you care what's happening? I love that he put that in there because it's as if he's telling us today, hey, when you go to the storm and you run out to God and say, God, don't you care? It's like God is saying, listen, that doesn't put me off. You are not the first person to feel that way. There's nothing. You're not odd. You're not different. You're not the first person to feel that way. I understand. I've heard that before. But the thing that I take away from that story is that Jesus was in the boat and the storm came anyway. I love that. Jesus was in the boat and the storm came anyway. You know what that says to me? is that the presence of Christ, or the, the, the presence of a storm is not evidence of the absence of Christ. The storm came and guess where Jesus was? He was right there in the boat with them. The presence of the storm is not evidence of the absence of Christ in your life. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He is God with you. That's why that name is so profound, even though it is so common. There's another story of a storm that Paul was in. Paul had been taken prisoner for talking about Jesus amongst the Jews. But he, as a Roman citizen, could appeal to Rome and, and go before Caesar and plead his case. And so he made that appeal so he's a prisoner, and they're trying to figure out how to send him back. They're going to send him back by boat. And they head out, and a fierce fierce storm arises. Acts chapter 27 says, verse 20 says this, Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. You know why? Because the storm was so crazy. You couldn't see the sun. You couldn't see the stars. It's just day after day of storms. And no small storm was assailing us. From then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. That's one thing that storms do to you, is they just have a tendency to, to drain you of your hope, to pull away and, 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 and cause you to lose hope. That's where they were. Verse 21 says, When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in the midst and said, Hey, everything's going to be okay. Uh, not really. And said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not have set sail from Crete. And incurred this damage and loss. Well, aren't you just a voice of encouragement, Paul? Paul basically sat up and said, let me tell you something. This storm and what we're suffering here, it's your fault. It is yours. Pointing to the captain of the ship or those decision makers saying, this is your fault. And sometimes the storms that come into your life are your fault. You chose to do that. You chose to neglect that. You chose to abandon that. You chose to do what you knew you shouldn't do. You chose to eat that, drink that, snort that, smoke that. You chose to do it. It is your fault. And when you're at that place where you're in a storm, that's your fault. You know how easy it is to, to just think, God wouldn't want to be with me. Why would God want to be with me in the middle of this storm? It's my fault. Why would God want to, to, to walk with me or, or sail with me through this storm? Why would he want to be near me in this storm? Because this storm is my fault. There are other people on the boat who are like the prisoners. They had no decision making in going out and sailing on this day. They're in the middle of the same storm, but it's not their fault. And sometimes you'll go into a storm and it won't be your fault. Maybe your parents got divorced and you still feel that. Maybe it is a a, a company storm where the company's downsizing. You got caught in the middle of the layoffs. There's a lot of storms in life that a lot of times aren't your fault. But sometimes the storms are your fault. Sometimes there's somebody else's fault. Sometimes there's no one's fault. It just happened. But it's like, he points that out, but none of that matters. None of that matters. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. Here's what he says. Yet, now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, listen to this, stood before me. The word there in the original language, stood before, means really, really close. Saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are, who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage. Ben, for I believe God, that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. Paul says, let me tell you something. It doesn't really matter whose fault it is. We're here because of some of you guys, it's your fault. It doesn't matter it's your fault. Some of you are here because it's their fault. It's not your fault. But it doesn't matter. Because you see, let me tell you where God is. I love how it says, and an angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is representative of God's presence. You know where it was? It was right there beside Paul. Right there beside Paul. That's where God was, in the middle of the storm, right there in the middle of the boat with them. Why? Because he is Emmanuel. He is the God that is with you in every single storm of life. And Paul stands up and says, hey, there might be some things you you suffer as a result of this, but let me tell you something. This storm is not the final chapter in your story. This storm is not the final chapter in your story. Why? Why? of that profound and amazing name of God because God is in the boat with you and the presence of the storm is not evidence of the absence of God God is with you in this storm and he is taking every step and and, and walking with you through every little blow of the storm and he is carrying you to the other side you listen to this you are not alone i don't care what you're going through this evening but this is what i know you are not alone and the storm that you're facing or the one that will come know this about it he is not something that he does but he is emmanuel and that is phenomenal because what it means is you are not alone and the presence of that storm is not the evidence of the absence of Christ and it will not be your final chapter of your story. You see, that's why no matter how common the name becomes, no matter how common it is at Christmas time, we must never forget how absolutely profound and amazing that first name of Jesus is. Emmanuel. He's the God that is with.